millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to The Plays The Thing, your podcast for all things Shakespeare. You have joined us for Act 2 of All's Well That Ends Well, a comedy, question mark, by William Shakespeare. I am Tim McIntosh and I am joined by... I'm Nora Ankrum. And I'm Matt Bianco, the world's foremost authority and expert on all things Shakespeare. You may have seen me on shows (laughs) such as Shakespeare Outside the Park. And the Shakespeare Almost Festival. Wait, wait, what are these? What are you talking about? I don't know about these. That's because I made them up just now. You just made those up? Yeah. They sounded so it plausible. Was authority, though. Yeah. Man, I was really buying it. Shakespeare outside the park. Shakespeare outside the that park. That was really, okay, man. I feel like a little bit <laughs> deceived now. <laughs> Sorry. I feel, how appropriate. Yeah. How appropriate boom, boom, boom. for this play. I didn't start us off with audio the way that we often start the Plays the Thing podcasts, uh, because I wanted to save it a little bit. This act is like we really see Bertram, whatever grace he had accumulated from us in Act 1, it's all gone in Act 2, because here's what happened. Okay, the things that we were kind of promised in Act 1, which is Helena our low-born but precious maidservant was, was the daughter of a doctor. She can heal our ailing king of France. This is so important. She goes to France. The king hears about her, invites her in. Helena's like, I can save you, king. And the king's like, man, all of my doctors have looked at me. There's no hope. You know, it's not even worth trying. But Helena's like, at least let me try. No harm can be done, but let's make a deal. If I heal you, then you give me my choice of the young nobleman at court. And of course, Helena knows exactly what she's doing because one of our young noblemen is Bertram, who is like her massive heart crush. 
So, oh my gosh, she has the secret remedy. She heals the king. The king is overjoyed. He's dancing. He and Helena are like in court dancing two days after he's healed or or two days after the um, medicine is given. And he follows through. The king does. He's like, line up, young nobleman. One of you is going to marry her, but we know what's going to happen. Helena is going to choose Bertram. And I think this is the the first shock moment of the play. She kind of goes through these young noblemen. You're like, yeah, you're sweet. Yeah, you got money. Oh, you got, I like you, boo. But that's my guy. Bertram, there's my guy. And let me just let you hear what Bertram says. He cold rejects her. So let's listen to that, that part of the play. It shall be so. I'll send her to my house, acquaint my mother with my hate for her, and wherefore I am fled. I'll write to the king, that which I durst not speak. His present gift shall furnish me to those Italian fields where noble fellows strike. War is no strife to the dark house and the detested wife. Go with me to my chamber and advise me. Tomorrow I'll to the wars, she to her single sorrow. That was Bertram rejecting Helena. He says, tomorrow I'll to the wars and she to her single sorrow. It's deadly terrible. It's deadly terrible. Matt, um, what did you call off the air Paroles and Bertram? You used two words. One we maybe can't repeat, but what was the other one? The the kind of more polite one? Oh, <laughs> I said that they were tools. Yeah. <laughs> they're such they're such tools. Nora, they're such tools. They are. Uh but I mean, okay, and I'm I'm certainly not defending Bertram here. However, um the last play we discussed also had a character that was forced to give her hand opposed against her heart and um and you know she kind of threw fit too. So maybe forced marriage is, is, you know, distasteful. To this some is people. exactly what Matt said off the air. Matt, oh, what, really? did you, what did you say <laughs> off the air, Matt? Remember what you told me? Wait, we can't agree. What? I said, it appears that for the first time you are going to agree. <laughs> I said everything that Nora said in the Taming of the Shrew was correct. <laughs> are you serious no i did not say that of course i'm not serious that's ridiculous i said <laughs> something close though what i said was they are tools however however it is i i think that i don't remember exactly what my express the way i expressed it but i said something like i can see i can see this this um this need to sympathize or to have compassion towards Bertram a little bit because because this is being forced on him. And so you can see that you can see you can concede that somebody might not want to marry another person, whatever. And um and that the fact that they're being forced to is difficult to accept for the person and for for those of us as readers or watchers, right? Uh, but Matt, but Nora, this is not the issue. 
the issue is not like, oh my gosh, King, you're asking to like, you're asking for an arranged marriage and that's against my kind of marital convictions. You know, I respectfully decline. That's not what happens. What happens is like, girl, it's you I reject. You're, yeah, you're he's, beneath he's very me. Mean. Yes. And well, and to be fair, all of the other lords that were presented to her, um, they seem to be like, that's cool. You know, good with, me. with it. Right. Nobody else really had a problem with it. Right. Just him. Uh, OK. Is it the real problem, though? <laughs> the, the real problem is not. I, I mean, I, the, the real problem is not that he rejects her because he doesn't even stand his ground on that. Like he gives in. No, he concedes. He concedes. He yeah. And then, and then with his fingers crossed behind his back, accepts duty, accepts his duty, but not really. And then just sneaks off. Right. Pretending to everybody that it all happened when it didn't. And then I'm going to write letters to explain myself, to tell people how I really feel. What? You He's going to do it over text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's text. like a text editor, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. What a That's coward! That's exactly right. <laughs> I know. Hey, by the way, someone told me a breakup story recently, and the breakup story was like, like you know, they were together for a while. It was a pretty serious relationship. I mean, it was like they were together for a while, like meaning more than six months, right? And he broke up via text. And I was like, I mean, I didn't really know either one of these people, but I was, I found myself, I was irate. I was like, <laughs> you can't even make a call? I mean, yeah. you probably need to do that face-to-face. It's going to hurt. It's not going to be fun, but you know, it needs to be done face-to-face. At a minimum, it's a phone call. At an absolute minimum. Text, anathema. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I think I think that just serves though to to understand because you know the guy in your situation uh, like super immature, right? Um, right. It's a cowardly, immature, childish thing to do, and so is Bertram, right? Like uh-huh. his whole his whole mo is he is just a little boy. He is not. He's not a man. He's um he's so easily swayed too. Yep. Uh, you know, by yep. his little shoulder devil. Hmm. Okay, He's but so it's two, show, two but, things. Yep. Two things about your introduction, Tim. Okay, your synopsis of the act. One, yep. you said everything that Bertram had accrued, all the credit or whatever that he had accrued from us, the goodwill that he had accrued from us was is lost, which is true. Right. But I, I think it's important to note that what was accrued was not accrued by him, but it was accrued by his mother for it was him. Secondhand, right? Yeah. And then, For sure. um, also, also remember your second point. Also, Helena loves him. And so yes. he's accrued that kind of double favor, albeit that secondhand also. So yeah. For sure. And then, and then the second thing you said was, this is her, he's her heart crush. And I actually, mm-hmm. I actually wonder if we can tease that out a little bit, because do we think from the play so far up through the first two acts, that sh- that he's that he's just a a heart crush. Like, is she just really, really just crushing on him? And it's and it's kind of child like the love is kind of childlike on both. both oh, sides. you mean heart crush? Like not uh, not deep? 
Right, right, right. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Is this like a childish kind of crush, an immature kind of crush? Or is she actually devoted to him? Because mm. when mm. you when you summarize the, the scene with the king, with Helena and the king. Yeah. You summarized the favorable reward for her success, but it actually begins with the threat of death if she fails. Right. And she accepts yeah. that threat. And then she, she says, just, thank you. Yeah, right. That's right, Nora. And then she well, I, says, well, I, I say that because I had to go back on that and make sure, like I read it three or four times to make sure I wasn't misunderstanding. Like she was the one that came up with this, uh, right? Let's, let's like, look hey, at how that about then. This doesn't work. Yeah, 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 for sure. Do you remember where it was? I mean, yeah, it's in scene one. Yeah, she's beyond confident. And do you get the impression that she oh, is doing this not just because she's confident, because she's also kind of like, um, she's pushing some, some chips into the center of the table. Like if I'm going to get rewarded the way that I want to get rewarded, i.e. Bertram, mm-hmm. I actually have to have some stakes in the game and not just be a good doctor. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, Cause I was Did you wondering guys find the passage. Yeah, I found it. I was wondering if it was more like, I don't want to live if I can't marry him. So I wonder if it's kind oh. of all of those things oh, combined. Right. Better. Yeah. Nora, hmm. let's hear the passage if you've got it. Yeah. Uh, so this, I don't know, which edition do you all have? I have the Folgers at this one. Okay. Um, so I'm looking at, it's for me, it's line 180 in act two, scene one. Uh, it's a little, little thing. She's talking about how quickly uh, the cure is going to work. Um, how fast it's going to work. So about halfway down, four and 20 times the pilot's glass hath told the thievish minutes how they pass. What is infirm from your sound part shall fly. Health shall live free and sickness freely die. The king says, upon thy certainty and confidence, what darest thou venture? He says, so, you know, what are, what are you going to mm-hmm. bet mm-hmm. on this? Um, tax of impudence, a strumpet's boldness, a divulged shame, traduced by odious ballads, my maiden's name seared otherwise. Nay, worse of worse, extended with vilest torture, let my life be ended. Mm. Yeah. So if you guys have got to choose between like these two <clears throat> options, one, she's pushing her chips in so she can like get something back or two, maybe she's kind of, it's kind of a schoolgirl promise. And she is like, it's a little bit rash between those two options based on where we are in the play. What do you think it is, Nora? I think, I think it's more interesting that she's, she's up in the stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, I'm, I'm trying to think of how you could play this on stage to make um, up in the stakes necessary. Um, Cause a lot of it is in how it's, you know, delivered. And I'm wondering if the King is the entire time being um, far more dismissive um, and perhaps he's got his hand on the door handle, you know, he's, he's leaving, he's out the door and yeah. she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You know, um, she has to ha- find a way to keep his attention because this is her, this is her last ditch, right? That's, That's great. That's kind of an option that I didn't really present. That's a great option. So it's not just like, I'm going to have some stake in the game so I can get Bertram back. It's not just rash, but it's, 
you've got to listen to me. This is how yeah. serious it is. If like you, a desperation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I promise my life. That's why you, I mean, like with that kind of clarion call, the king's got to listen. Uh, do you think that there's a, is it just an expectation for a king in this sort of situation? I mean, any king in any similar situation that people will come, like snake oil salesmen will come mm. and make all these promises in uh. order to get rewards. And so in some sense, she's offering, well, I'll, I'll take the negative. I'm, I'll offer the negative reward because... Right. It's not going to cost you anything. And in fact, if it doesn't work, it'll cost me everything. Mm, Cause he's, that's what he seems to respond to. Right. When she says that, that that's when he's, it, it almost like his, if I were, if I'm thinking about it the way you just described it, Nora, like his hands off the doorknob and his head's kind of cocked a little bit. And he's like, upon my oh, wait, certainty what? and confidence, yeah. what there's, Oh no, mm. that's what she says. That's what he asked her. And then she says that, right. And then he thinks, Ah, methinks in thee some blessed spirit doth speak his powerful sound within an organ week. And then, you know, goes on. I don't know if it's at that point, maybe that he's like, okay, now we're talking. Go on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He's got it. Or she's got his attention. But then she brings my... up, what will you give me? If I, yeah, she says in one eight, my, it's one eighty eight. Yeah. mine. If I break time or flinch in property of what I spoke, unpitied, let me die. And well-deserved, mm -hmm. not helping, death's my fee. But if I help, what do you promise me? Mm -hmm. So he doesn't even offer a positive reward. Then, then she asks for one. Mm -hmm. And that's very bold. I mean, especially for someone of her social status, which is sort of the theme of the play, right? Yeah, really bold. So she knows that she's got this request coming, right? Mm -hmm. So, so that is all the more reason for her to, so maybe it is more that she's shoving the chips in the middle because she knows this request, this bank ask that she's got right behind her. Yeah. I wonder if it's all three things, right? Like the King is getting ready to leave. So she has to, she has to put this out there, but she also knows she has to put this out there because it's the only way she can ask for such a steep, a steep price on the other end. And she's willing yeah. to put this out there because Without Bertram, she'd rather be dead. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to the idea of she has to be kind of like really bold just to get the king's attention. I was remembering, this is not funny, but it just kind of makes me laugh. When my dad was really sick, like stage five cancer or whatever stage it was, you know, I remember this neighbor, my mom told me about this and we just laughed. This neighbor of ours very well-meaning, was kind of like, has he tried lavender oil or something like oh, that? No. And we were like, oh, no. What? Lavender? I mean, like, like, don't get me wrong. Like, essential oils, I'm not denying that they have, like, healthful implications and prospects. I'm not denying that at all. But I was like, lavender oil? Like, <laughs> We're yeah. past chemotherapy, lady. Like, this is not right. a lavender oil moment. And I wonder if the king, like when he's talking about like all of my doctors, all of my wise men, they right. say this is not healable. And this like poor milkmaid comes along. Hey, king, I've got a great idea. You know, he's just going to be like, lavender oil? 
That's not, no. So I, <laughs> I, I find that really an appealing explanation for the king's conviction about her. You know, this kind of promise. Sure. Yeah, even yeah. if she's the daughter of a great doctor. Come on. Lavender oil? Well, and that's really the only reason she had the audience to begin with, right? Because right. of who her father was. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, I want to shift us to these two characters that we don't feel really confident about how to pronounce their names. I sent you guys a brief audio message from our new assistant producer, Sophia Maeda, who saw a production of the play, and she has some advice on how we need to say these characters' names. Okay, uh, Logan, would you play that audio? Also, I was listening to the podcast this morning, the act one and the pronunciation of names discussion. Um, when we heard it in play, they said Paroles and Lafu. I don't, that's how, when I looked it up, it said like the British normally pronounce it. I don't know if that's helpful for everyone, but they normally say that yes on Paroles. And yeah, Lafu is a funny one, but that's how they, that's how they were pronouncing it at the Shakespeare Festival. So you guys, we found out. This is how you say these two characters' names. Lafieu. Come on. You guys got to oh. say it. Lafieu. And Paroles. Paroles. Matt, you didn't really say that like a Shakespeare expert. <laughs> Shakespeare Paroles. outside the park. That's right. yeah, 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 yeah. You definitely are outside the park on that. Paroles. Yeah, so I guess Paroles has got the ES on it. Paroles. All um, right. Brits. We have, so this is great. Helena is rejected by Bertram and Bertram and Paroles are like, man, it's wartime. I'm ready to get back to war. Lafieu, this kind of friend of the countess, Bertram's mother, kind of shows up. He does a little interview with Paroles and Paroles is a clown. I mean, like a full on clown. Right. And we get for me, like one of the really great insults that I've read in Shakespeare in a long time, the few is talking to Bertram and he's trying to get Bertram to listen to reason, you know, but Bertram right. doesn't really want to hear it. And so this is what Lafieu says about Paroles to Bertram. There can be no kernel in this light nut. The soul of the man is his clothes. Trust him not in matters of heavy consequence. I think that would be a great thing to say into the ear of a young man or a young woman who is hanging out with the wrong people, right? Or it's like being courted, you know, like your daughter is like some guy wants to date her and you know, the the dude is just like a clown. This is what you say. There can be no kernel in this light nut. The soul of this high school boy is his clothes. Trust him not in matters of heavy consequence. Well, and especially because we know that Lafieu is a, is an older guy. Right. And so he's got the, the benefit of, of age and wisdom and uh, hopefully, well, I guess Bertram doesn't take it that way, but the audience yeah. should. Yeah. The audience should. Do, do you think when, when Bertram, when Bertram corrects Lafieu about, about paroles 
And Lefeu says, then my dial goes not true. I took this lark for a bunting. Uh, and then he's, there's a couple more exchanges there. And then Paroles comes comes in. Do you think Lefeu actually means that? Or is he just kind of going along with Bertram knowing he'll he'll have another chance to expose Paroles to Bunting? Read the line Bertram. again, Matt. So the passage, it's the very beginning of scene five. And yeah. Lefeu says, but I hope oh, your lordship okay. thinks not him a soldier. And Bertram, yes, my lord, and of very valiant to prove. Lefeu, you have it from his own deliverance. Bertram, and by other warranted testimony. Lefeu, then my dial goes not true. I took this lark for a bunting. Bertram, I do assure you, my lord, mm. he is very great in knowledge and accordingly valiant. Which is interesting in light of, in light of Helena telling Paroles that he was born under retrograde Mars because he's always running away, right? Like, you know, we know Lefeu is right. At least, at least Lefeu's estimate, estimation of Parole's aligns with Helena's, right? And then, and, but, but also doesn't Parole's kind of admit explain, it to Helena, right? Sorry, go ahead. Explain retrograde Mars. Like why, tell me, tell us why Mars, who does Mars stand for kind of in the ancient world? Oh, right. Yeah, because Mars is the god of, the Roman god of, or the Greek and Roman god of war. And there, of course, he's a soldier, right? And then retrograde Mars refers to the planet. Like there's uh, some of the planets, Mars being one of them, when they're when they're when they're um, making their, their travels through the night sky, they're the wanderers. The in the in the ancient world, they refer to them as the wanderers. Um, but when they make their their movements through the night sky, periodically they'll they'll look like they're going forward and they'll kind of circle around and go backwards and then go forward again and then come back around and, and then do it again every so many months or years, depending on the planet. And so the retrograde Mars is that period in time when he's, when he, the planet Mars is kind of circling back on himself and then coming around. So, so she's saying he was born under retrograde Mars. And then he asked mm -hmm. why. And then she says, because you run away. And he's like, yeah, but I run away smartly like safely or whatever right yeah but he totally admits it right no. yeah he's like oh i'm not sticking around for that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so so it is opposite of what um of what bertram seems to be saying about him in that scene so is your question matt do we do we think that bertram um really is you know fooled by paroles is that was that your question? No, I do you think Lefeu is actually conceding to Bertram's testimony? Oh. Like he's actually thinking, oh, maybe you're right. Mm. Maybe I was wrong. Because he says, I have then mm. sinned against his experience and transgressed against his valor, and my state that way is dangerous since I cannot yet find in my heart to repent. But then Perlis walks in mm. and they they immediately start going at it again, right? Right. Right. Like he first first thing Lefeu says is, pray you, sir, who's his tailor? Which I didn't exactly knew, know what that meant, but my little footnote says, uh, my my footnote says that the question "Who's this tailor?" means "Who made this mannequin?" Which again <laughs> would be like a soulless, oh. a kernelless nut, right? A soulless mm -hmm. a man whose soul is in his clothing. Matt, let's let's hit, listen to that um, that little exchange. So, this is Lefeu. Bertram and Paroles. Uh, let's just listen to a section of that. 
But I hope your lordship thinks not I'm a soldier. Yes, my lord, and a very valiant approof. You have it from his own deliverance? And by other warranted testimony. Then my dial goes not true. I took this lark for a bunting. I do assure you, my lord, he's very great in knowledge and accordingly valiant. I have then sinned against his experience and transgressed against his valor. And my state that way goes dangerous, for I cannot yet find in my heart to repent. Up, oh, oh, here he comes. <laughs> Pray you, make us friends. I'll pursue the amity. These things shall be done, sir. <laughs> I pray, sir, who's this tailor? <laughs> sir? Oh, I know him well. I, sir, he, sir, is a very good workman, a very good tailor. Is she gone to the king? She is. Will she away tonight? As you'll have her. I have writ my letters, casked my treasure, given order for our horses, and tonight, when I should take possession of the bride, end, ere I do begin. A traveler is something at the latter end of a dinner, but one who lies three-thirds and uses a known truth to pass a thousand nothings with should be once heard and thrice beaten. I'll save you, Captain. Is there any unkindness between my lord and you, monsieur? I know not how I have deserved to run into my lord's displeasure. Oh, you have made shift to run into it. Boots and spurs and all, like him that leapt into the custard. And out of it, you'll run again, rather than suffer questions for your residence. Maybe you have mistaken him, my lord. And shall do so ever, though I took him at prayers. Farewell, my lord. Believe this of me. There can be no kernel to this light nut. The soul of this man's is close. Trust him not in matters of heavy consequence. I have kept them tame and know their natures. Farewell, monsieur. I've spoken better of you than you have or will to deserve my hand, but we must do good against evil. <sighs> An idle lord, I swear. I think so. So, Matt, having heard that exchange, uh, what do we think Lafuse's attitude is to parole? Is he just says to Bertram, yeah, you know, okay, maybe I mistook him. But now we have this exchange. How do you read it? Yeah, I, I mean, Lafuse's uh, judgment or assessment of parole seems right on from even just what I've read so far in the in the in the play uh i mean aligns with helena's helena's and his own assessment of himself in that conversation with helena as we were discussing earlier but even there's there's this clue right at the end of the clip i hope we caught the last bit of it there but he said parole says after lefew leaves parole says an idle lord i swear and then bertram says i think so and then parole says why do you not know him and I almost take that as Parole saying, well, then you must not know him if you agree with me, because if you knew him, you would know I'm wrong, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> he's caught off guard by, by Bertram's agreement. But Parole, but Lefuse seems to be this guy that knows Bertram, or sorry, knows that Parole's is a bad man. And... And that Bertram shouldn't be hanging out with him. But it's like, 
it's like you have this young man Bertram and he's got his young buddy Paroles. And then you have this older, wiser man Lefeu, which just based on age and life experience, Bertram should be listening to that guy. Mm-hmm. And Lefeu's trying to help him, but Bertram just cannot see past his friend or whatever. You know, it's, I mean, it, probably every high school teacher and college professor ever has been in this exact spot right where they just know this kid should not be friends with that guy this kid should not be listening to that you know and then they just but you can't get through to them you can't get it into their heads that i had the same i had the exact same picture in my head that it's uh you know you're you're kind of confronting this guy about his friend and he's like gets super defensive all of a sudden and so Lefeu has to be like, okay, I mean, maybe I was wrong, you know? Mm-hmm, and then yeah. he sets out to sort of prove it, you know, some other way. Like, you're not going to listen to me, even though I'm older and wiser and more experienced. Um, but yeah, I, I had the exact same picture pop in my head. I, to end the show, and we're not there yet, but. Um, Wait, no, Matt, we're not, I'm going to show you that. No, 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 no. I have a question I want to ask. Um, but I just want to warn you that at the end of the show, Matt, I'm going to ask you for a little prediction. Because you've not read ahead. Am I correct? I've not read ahead, but I do know about the bed swap. So, I mean, I kind of know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know about the bed swap. And so I'm going to ask you for a little bit of a prediction i want to go back to bertram though um and sorry to keep like i keep going back to him because frankly i i'm just confused i'm really confused because uh, i think what we get in act one this quality reputation that he has I think we're supposed to take it as well-earned. And now I'm Mm. seeing him and he's just, he's just acting like an idiot. He just doesn't understand. So what I'm asking for from you two is who is he like? Is he like the well-meaning high schooler who goes off to war, you know, who enlists in the army and he, falls under the influence of like some of the cooler soldiers that he's, you know, bunking with and he becomes a fool. Mm-hmm. Is he the young man who goes off to college and falls in with kind of like the wrong set and it reveals that wrong set kind of like reveals his true nature that he hid from his parents when he was at home, that he was a good kid at home. But now his true nature is coming out. Like who is this guy? who is i think i I would think he's more like the second but you know with the caveat i'm gonna keep coming back to this i mean his father just died he was uprooted and stuck in this court under you know under the care of the king all of his buddies are going off to war and he's told he has to wait at home and stay at home it's very you know captain america-esque and that in that you know sense and then he's forced to be married so i see I, I definitely see him as very immature and acting out and you know the kid that goes off to college and goes wild um 
but I, I kind of get it. I get, Mm -hmm. especially if we see him as very young and immature, um, I get where he's coming from. And then it's this beautiful, um, you know, antithesis with Helena, who is this steady, strong, sure, confident, mature, um, force that is, that is just constantly there and saying, okay, okay. I love him. Okay. You know, it's, I mean, there isn't in my mind, there's not a better redemption for someone like that than someone like her. So part of what you're saying, Nora is, um, he's, he's intimidated by her. I mean, in a way, I don't mean like he's intimidated. Sure. Strange thing because she was born below him, but sort of morally, internally, she is intimidating to him. Is that kind of what you're asserting? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. And pretty early on in the play, she is, you know, stature wise, all of that, that goes away pretty quickly, right? Mm -hmm. The king fixes that. As soon as he's healed, he's like, no problem. She's got titles or whatever you need her to have. And obviously that's not enough for Bertram um, because that's not really the issue, right? The issue is, I think it's, it's this forcing and this, um, you know, constraint on his, his freedom or boyhood or manhood or, or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the thing that, the thing that strikes me about Bertram is, is he using the lack of nobility, which has clearly been accounted for as an excuse like he doesn't want her at all or he doesn't want mm. her yet or he doesn't want marriage yet or whatever. Right. Because he has some other desires. I mean, it, it, to some extent, like he doesn't really grow up with her, but she's been around. Right. Even though, even though she just became a ward of his mother yeah, six he knows months her. ago, like there, she, she didn't grow up in his home or whatever as a sister until six months ago. But, but, their, their families have been connected, right? They're like, he knows her as, you know, the girl next door kind of a thing. And they're friends or, I mean, he's polite to her when he says goodbye to her in act one, when he leaves to go to the King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's like a, 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 you know, a kind of a neighborliness to him. Then that, that just completely dissolves when he's being forced to marry her. And I wonder if, there's just something else going on. And I wonder if Lefeu has the clue to this. Uh, now I can't find the passage, but there's a place in here where Lefeu complains or points out that this younger generation just wants things new. They're always, uh, mm. do you know, do you, do you oh, recall yeah, that passage? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where you are. Yeah, that's when, uh, that's when, I think, isn't that when Helena's choosing between the lords or, you know, making a show of choosing between the lords? Oh, it might be there. Because yeah. he's, isn't he like mishearing what they're yeah. saying to her? They're, they're responding to her positively and he's like, what are these guys thinking? And it's, it reminds me very much like a, like the old guy that can't actually hear what's happening. <laughs> Just right. he assumes it. he knows what's happening. Right. He falls back on his tried and true trope, like these kids get off my lawn. They always want something new. Yeah. (laughs) Which makes me love him even more. (laughs) Yeah. 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 For sure. 
<laughs> While you guys look for that passage, I'm going to say that if Nora is right, if if Helena is pursuing Bertram, Bertram is not ready. Bertram is maybe even um, intimidated by her kind of moral stature, her kind of internal maturity. If that's right, and I think it is right, it's at least part of the reason why Bertram is not excited by Helena, then man, this seems like Helena is very much a, this is, she's a Christ figure for him. Right? Oh, the lowborn. Yes. And yeah. she's in constant pursuit of him, even though um, it's not like, even though he is not, re- he's not worthy of her. You know, he's got the money, he has the prestige, but he is just not, um, he is internally, he's kind of a mess. So she seems to me her, especially her kind of like constancy in this and her consistently putting herself, referring to herself as the servant, it really does seem like she's very much the Christ figure of this, of the story. What's the line? I'm a simple maid and therein wealthiest that I protest. I simply am a maid. She says it over and over things like this. Um, yeah, even when she's not, even after she's not exactly, simply a maid. Exactly. Right. 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 So I think going forward, that's something to keep an eye on is this picture of Helena as Christ seeking Bertram. Does it follow through the rest of the play? I think that's something to look forward to in three, four, and five. Meanwhile, um, did you guys find the passage you're looking for? No. I didn't okay. find it. No. Okay. No, Let's but I'm certain it then. exists. Maybe somebody, one of the listeners, <laughs> can find it and put it in the uh, yeah, yeah, there. That'd be great. <laughs> okay, it's prediction time. Okay, uh, one, always... one more thing about paroles, though. One yeah, more yeah. thing about paroles, because yeah. this can't be this can't be missed. In Act Two, Scene Three, near toward the end. Uh, uh, so, if you pick it up in two fifty seven in my edition, so Lefeu and paroles are going at it. And the few says, go to, sir, you were beaten in Italy for picking a kernel out of a pomegranate. You are a vagabond and no true traveler. You are more saucy with lords and honorable personages than the commission of your birth and virtue gives you heraldry. You are not worth another word, else I'd call you knave. I leave you. And then Proli says, good, very good. It is so then. Good, very good. Let it be concealed a while. And I'm trying to figure out what the it is. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> right. So my my text, the footnote of my text says the it is the truth of Paroli's character. Mm. So the few just says, you are not worth another word. Else I'd call you knave. I leave you. Which is a great way to say it. <laughs> right. Which is a great way to do it. You're not worth, I'm not even going to say another word to you or if, you know. If I did, it would be nay, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> but then per, if, if, if Paroles is, if it is referring back to that, then the, then the Paroles seems to be saying, yes, let my knavery be concealed a while. And mm-hmm. it, it's being concealed by the fact that the few won't say it. 
even though he did. Is that mm. what, Nora? What don't you the, aren't you picturing well, right now? Like, how are you going to stage this, Nora? If you're, I absolutely like, am. Yeah, and in fact, as you were reading that, I found it, and I was making sure of the stage directions. But Lafue exits. Parolles is on stage alone for that one line, and then immediately Bertram enters. So he's uh, he's alone on stage. So it's like this. Let's conceal it a little longer. Yeah, you know, it's an the, aside. The villain that yeah, it's an aside, and, yeah. it's, and it's to the audience only. Yeah, um, like he's he's bringing them into his confidence. Yeah, that's how I, that's how I would stage it. Yeah, yeah and, sure. and that's the right way to read it, I think, with because he's alone too, especially right, like. Okay, let's, for sure. Yeah, let's keep this. Let's keep this. Yeah, a secret. yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, you could have him, um, but I don't know if it would play as well. But you could. Another option would be have him super self righteous about it. Good, good. It's yeah. so good. Very good. Let it be concealed a while. You yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. You could play it like that too, but I, I think it's more and probably you know thinking about when this was written and, and the fact that most of the audience couldn't actually see him. Um, being sarcastic right he's he's giving the audience a, a hint right like mm. let it be concealed a while mm-hmm. you know he's mm-hmm. letting them know what's happening a little bit yeah i like both those options nora so when you when you do your production we'll be excited <laughs> to see which one you choose this plays a little too saucy i think for school shows i'm not sure yeah there'd be a, you'd have to do a lot of cutting there's a lot of cutting yeah. that needs to take place matt yeah. it's prediction time man okay what am i it's prediction time okay so You've got Helena. She's now clothed in money. And she is after Bertram. Bertram's like, no way. I'm off to war. How? And we know that it's a comedy because the title says it's a comedy. That's basically the way that we know it's a comedy. Right. So, but and we because, know that all's well that ends well. And we know that all's well that ends well. <laughs> so we know that there's going to be a marriage at the end of this. How do you solve the problem? How do you get the two together? Okay, so there has been a, a marriage ceremony, though, right? They're already there married. Has. Married. I should sure. say. There's just not say, a consummation of that marriage. There's not a consummation, and it needs to be, I An think, acceptance. a happy Like a marriage. true marriage, yes, right? Right, right, yeah. right. So how do how, – you want me to predict how that's going to come about? Yes, okay. yes. Because I can't just predict that because that's too <laughs> obvious from the yes. fact that it's a comedy. Got it. Right. Um, right. Okay. <laughs> I think, this is what I think. I think that Bertram is going to, or the Paroles is going to expose himself to Bertram. Sorry. Paroles is going to reveal his true character to Bertram. And he's not going to disrobe. Right, he's going right. to reveal his true nature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was sounding like. <laughs> I see. Okay. Thank you for going attention to that more than Mario. <laughs> you were hoping that like what the audience wouldn't pick up on that? Like you got like no, they because hear that? Tim, to the pure, all things are pure. <laughs> and we have a pure audience. We don't have pure contributors. Right. No, the hosts right. are awful, but the audience is pure. <laughs> Uh, okay. So I think, I think Paroles is going to, his true character is going to be revealed to Bertram. And, and then I guess LeFew will win Bertram over. I don't know. Um, so I think that's kind of the good guy side coming to rest, but then Bertram's still kind of a tool, but maybe what'll happen is, um, however she pulls it off, she'll do the bed swap thing. 
And then, and then she being Helena. Yes. She being Helena. And then Bertram will need to figure out how to interpret that. What does that mean that that has happened? And I think Mm -hmm. LeFeu now having Bertram's ear will be able to, or this could just happen to Bertram on his own. He could come to the realization himself, but I assume that LeFeu has more of a role than just picking a fight with Barolis. So I'm going to guess that LeFeu is going to help Bertram interpret this correctly. His mother will confirm the interpretation, which interpretation will be that she has confirmed her nobility by doing this somehow. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how that is on that part works. You, but. you confirmed her nobility. What do you mean? I mean, because mm. it's already kind of confirmed by the king. Do you mean something? Right. Because the problem with the problem with nobility, I think for, for him to, to the extent that that's actually his problem and not just an excuse. I think the, the problem with nobility is that if, even though nobility in the beginning came through some sort of honors and recognition from kings, right? Um, and, and I suppose through land ownership or whatever, but, but people became honorable, became nobility. It's just so far distant in the past that now nobility is just something that the nobles have and the non-nobles don't. Right. And so right. so there's not really a process in place for the nobility to accept the nouveau nobile, right? Or no noble, right. whatever, noblesse. So you have the the new rich or the new nobility in, in his day, and there's not a rate, there's not a way to accept them. And the problem with it is that because the nobility as they are is something that's passed on. <clears throat> genetically or whatever inheritance uh not inheritance yeah. but uh hereditarily right so i am a good person because i had a nobleman for my father and she can't be mm-hmm. a good person so just just being given the title of nobility doesn't make her inner person noble mm-hmm. i think that's what she like an honorary degree yeah 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 exactly that's a good analogy for it thank you so so what he needs is something to confirm her nobility, her internal nobility, that she mm. actually deserves the title. It's not just some random king, not random, but, you know, some king just giving it to her in an honorary way. But she actually has the inner the inner being to match it. And I think somehow her loyalty, her but, commitment, okay. and then her cleverness confirm that for him. It must be. Mm. Don't we know already? I mean, I'm quibbling with like your prediction. I shouldn't be doing this. I know that. But don't we know already? Especially that, since like, you know whether it's right or not. But go on. <laughs> but no, but no, I'm like, I'm pointing out something in your prediction, which is we already know that she is like. But you're saying, noble. but you're saying it needs to be proven to it Bertram. It needs to be proven publicly. Right? That's what you're saying, Matt? Yeah. So that's okay, so why okay, I think because sense. he interprets that that deception as proving her nobility. I, I don't know. I don't know what the grounds are for that yet. I, like I said, probably something like her loyalty, her commitment, her cleverness, whatever. Um, that he interprets that as her having the inner nobility that she has gotten from the king externally. 
And okay. then that mm. is what makes him true come to truly love her. And then because he comes okay. to truly okay. love her, then you have a happy marriage. Ergo, it's a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Nora, that was kind of fun to listen to. Wasn't it? Was, it? it was fun. It was good. We're not <laughs> yes. saying anything. We're not saying anything. Not, no spoilers. Right. No spoilers. Right. Nope. Hey, I I'm thinking. glad I wasn't put on the spot like that, though. <laughs> yeah. If we ever do a play, if the Shrew Crew comes back, we're switching. Right. No, but you've right. read them all. Exactly. You? You've read them all. You Matt and I will no. read ahead and we'll pick some obscure play, Nora, that you've and never read. And I will read. definitely not read it. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. We'll do King John or something, you know. <laughs> Henry Henry the sixth part one or whatever it is. Okay. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook on our sister shows, Facebook page. That's close reads. And when it comes time for questions, we often do a Q and a episode at the end after the five acts. Um, and that's a great way to get your questions answered on the air by a real-life Shakespeare scholar, and Tim and Nora. So we would love to, we would love to hear yes. from you there. Um, and until then, thanks so much for tuning in and come back next week to hear Act 3 of All's Well That Ends Well. They say miracles are past, and we have our philosophical persons that to make modern and familiar things supernatural and causeless. Hence it is that we make trifles of terrors, ensconcing ourselves into a seeming knowledge when we should submit ourselves to an unknown fear. Why, tis the rarest argument of wonder that hath shot out in our latter times. To be relinquished, so to, to be relinquished of the actors. Right, so I say both of Galen and Paracelsus. Oh, the learned and authentic fellow. Right, so I say. That gave him out incurable. Why, there it is. Not so to, say I too. Not to be helped. Right, as to a man assured of a, a... Uncertain life and sure death. Just. You say well. Yeah, I may truly say. So what say, I've said. I may truly say it is a novelty to the world. It is indeed. If you will have it in showing, you shall read it in, uh, what do you call it here? Um, a showing of heavenly effect in an earthly actor. That's it. <sighs> I would have said the very same. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.